Hey, I'm in a series that's really different from me. I'm beginning a series called, it's actually soul rest or soul care or resting your soul. There's many ways you could say this subject, but I want you to really think about this for a minute. Have you taken a sincere look at the pace you're currently living at? And the question is, can you do this pace forever? Can you live at this pace of life that you're living at forever? And the real question is, do you want to? For most people, they would answer no. And they tell themselves, well, it's a busy season in my life. I've got a lot of things happening. But you know, a busy, busy, it being a busy season that has no ending is not really a season. It's a way of life. You're living in this pace that, you know, again, I don't think is healthy. And I think that's why the Lord's really stirred on my heart that we need to examine the fact that what we're living at today as far as society is really eating away at our souls. And there needs to be a soul rest. In Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2 and verse 5, this is in the English Standard Version. I like this. This is just foundational for what we're going to share some other verses of Scripture. It says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Notice the first part of that verse. It says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. And ladies and gentlemen, that's just what I want to bring to you for a couple of minutes because as I introduce this as in the form of an introduction. I think that we need to take an examination at our souls, the health of our souls, because the demands of this life can be burdensome. You know, relationships, uh, work, finances, unforeseen circumstances, of course, health issues, all can bombard you and I spiritually and affect you and I uh, physically. And as a result, our, spo- our soul, our spirit, and our bodies can come, become depleted. And this physical pressure on us can affect us in so many different ways. As a matter of fact, a lot of people think that soul rest is just sleeping. No, that's not soul rest. You know, uh, sleeping is important, don't get me wrong, but soul rest comes when we come in contact with the Lord and separate ourselves to Him. You know, you can rest your body, but if you don't rest your spirit, your body's just going to be rested and you're, you're able to function out of your body, but there comes a place where you need to rest your soul in Him. And Jesus said this, actually, He, he gave an invitation here, Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to look at this in several different versions here. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are labor and all you are heavy laden. Notice that. What do you mean by labor, Pastor Brian? What do you mean by heavy laden there? What's Jesus saying there? He's saying you're laboring through life. You're laboring through situations. You're laboring in your mind and worrying and having anxiety. You say, well, Pastor Brian, I mean, I've got all this coming at me. What do I do? Well, notice what Jesus says in verse 28. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What does that mean? You ever seen the yoke, the oxen yoke? You've seen probably illustrations of this, where this yoke or this device that goes over these two oxen and it keeps them in the right direction. Well, I think that's what he's saying there. He's saying, take my yoke and learn from me. What does that mean? That means that even though I'm going to be leading you and guiding you, and that's not always easy, but if you learn from me, you take my yoke, I'll guide you in the right way that you should go. And so many times we try to do things in ourselves. We try to figure and read and things out. But notice what he says here. He says, I am gentle, I am humble in heart, and you will notice the end of verse 29. It says, you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that beautiful? You'll find rest for your soul when you're what? Letting him guide your life, letting him give you the direction. So many times we try to do 
do things within ourselves and try to figure things out. Listen, we need to do our part, but there comes a place where God does his part. All the questions of life that I can't answer, I'm choosing to give those to him and lay my burdens and lay these questions, lay these anxieties, lay these worries over on him because it says in verse 30, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. What does that mean, Pastor Brian? That means that Jesus' way of doing it is lighter than your way and your reasoning. Trusting him, even though you don't understand something, you know, again, 36 years ago, it didn't make sense for me. A lot of things coming here and experiencing the Southwest Believers Convention, experiencing the things I was experiencing. I, I mean, I did something very radical. I had $300 cash, and I gave all my money the way the first two days to the convention because I wanted to be a part of the kingdom of God. I saw these ministries, and I see them today advancing the kingdom of God, and I wanted to do my part. And so I gave all my money away. Well, in the natural, how are you going to eat? How are you going to survive? Even though my hotel room was paid for, my Airfare was paid for. But, you know, at 20 years old, you're just radical. And so I gave it all away. It didn't make any sense at the time. But I'll never forget, I knew that I was supposed to. And on that Monday after I gave it all away, I was staying with Pastor Ms. Lou Nichols, and Ms. Lou Nichols motioned me over. And this is, of course, 1985. Uh, you know, financially, things are a little different than they are today. But this is 1985. She motioned me over after the morning service. She said this. She said, honey, she looked at me. And, and again, I just met her the day before. Before, but she allowed me to stay at their house. She said, honey, here's a $20 bill. I don't want you to give it away. I want you to eat on this $20. And of course, across the street at the uh, Hyatt was a buffet for $10 or $8 at the time. And so I ate at the buffet for dinner and lunch and uh, I was taking care of it. Every day through that entire convention, she gave me a $20 bill at lunchtime. And, uh, but it, by the end of that week, the most funniest thing that happened to me, I can't came in with $300 and I left the convention on Saturday with more money than I came in. People were giving me money and uh, things were happening to me and things were changing my life. And it wasn't just the money. It wasn't just the people. It was the word of God. I released that burden. I released that weight of my life. I really settled in the fact that even though I wanted to pursue things musically, I knew that God had called me in the ministry. I knew that he had an assignment on my life. I remember touring through Fort were just a couple of years prior to 1985, and a tour bus coming right down I-35, right out front here. Little did I know that years later I would be at Hughley Hospital. You know, I'll never forget that sun that Sunday morning on a tour bus coming down 35, and I just happened to go to the front of the bus talking to the driver. And I came past Hughley Hospital at that time, and little did I my destiny would be there at Hughley Hospital, that my children would be born there, uh, or, or Samuel was born there. And uh, it's, just, it's just amazing when you give Jesus the direction to your life. I mean, I came back after that convention and came back after that time, and God began to ordain my steps. It didn't happen overnight, ladies and gentlemen, but as I trusted him, as I took Jesus' invitation to come to him, he ordained my life, and he'll do the same thing for you. And he'll do it in a manner that brings peace and joy and gives soul rest to you because I wanted so desperately to be a professional musician, but then the call of God was, you know, more 
brighter and more illuminating to me. And at that time, I didn't understand everything I was understanding, but I obeyed and the rest is history. And I'm so thankful to stand here today and obeying that call and obeying coming here, then coming coming back here year after year. And I've been, of course, this is my 36th convention downtown. And I am so thankful for what, how God has changed my life. And my point with all that is, is you submit your soul to him, there will be a peace and a rest. I mean, at that time, I mean, I settled things in my soul. I settled things in my mind. I settled things in my body. I settled things in my life. And that was the destiny that God ordained for me. And when you come to that place of soul rest and giving it over to him, I'm telling you what, things will begin to unfold. Was it all automatically? No, but the steps were clear. The path was light. Anyway, my point is with this message is today that there may be some signs or symptoms or signs that your soul may be in fatigue. And I just want you to look at with me uh, at least six of them as we just introduce this series and introduce this time together. Uh, Number one, physical fatigue is definitely a sign. When we're tired in our souls, we're usually tired physically. And so you have to watch for that. Physical fatigue is definitely a sign that your soul is not at rest or at peace. The body and spirit are so intertwined affecting one another. And when you're on the inside, not at rest, I'm telling you, the outside will let you know. And you say, well, Pastor Brian, I just need sleep. I just need rest. Well, no, 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 that you do need that in a natural way, but there's something more important. You need that inner refreshing. And we're going to talk about that. Number two, in just a moment, a lost hunger for God's word. I got a question for you. Has your desire for God's word and God's presence sort of diminished or you're not really to a place that you once were? If that's something in your life, then spiritual starvation is affecting your whole being. And lost hunger is definitely a sign or a symptom that your soul needs rest. And I'm telling you, a lot of people are dealing with, they're trying to operate out of their, out of their, uh, their physical body. And listen, you want your spirit strong. You want your spirit person strong. That's the one of the things that with Dave and Shelby's testimony, my testimony, uh, and again, a convention week like this, this happening at the Southwest Believers Convention is unusual, but you could do this beyond a convention week. When you take a podcast or a message or, or any type of uh, person preaching the word of God and listen to things like that over and over. One of the practices that I do every single morning is I have a podcast letting someone preach to me. I'm constantly listening to God's word being preached at me. You know why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I mean, yes, I can turn the radio on. Yes, I can listen to the news, but I don't know about you. That can get so discouraging and that that overwhelmingness and all this pressure of the world will begin to separate you from the word of God and it'll affect your soul. And then when you get this lost hunger for the word of for the word of God that's diminishing then you're getting yourself in trouble number three feelings of being far from God have you ever felt distant from God you got questions of like you know why is this happening to me a lot of people struggle with bitterness and I understand that bitterness towards God and the fact that they prayed and they believed him or, or they thought they did but nothing happened and the actual the thing got worse and got worse and worse and you're saying well Lord if you're there then why didn't you do this I prayed, Pastor Brian prayed, the church prayed, but this didn't happen. Listen, I can understand that, but you got to watch the danger of how that affects your soul. And then you not only get in this bitterness,
bitterness and resentment, then you get this, well, God's just, he, I'm going to heaven and I'm just going to live my life, but you know, I'll do whatever I want to do. Listen, there are consequences. There are consequences to setting God aside and letting the world and all the things of the world and all this pressure and worry begin to pull you down. And you begin to feel in yourself that you're just absolutely to a point where you're so frustrated on the inside and aggravated that it begins to show among others, especially the people you love. You got to watch that. You got to watch these things. And if you are dealing with these things, it's time for a soul rest. It's time for wholeness. And I'm going to show you how to do that. Number four, again, these are just things to look for when you have no desire to serve others. Now, this is a big deal because when you start giving and, and start shutting yourself out from giving and helping others, then you're focusing inward, and that's a dangerous thing. It's hard to serve others, though, when you feel like God has not served your own needs. But however, serving others gives you a sense of, there's just something about helping someone. One of my greatest joys is seeing someone come into a place of victory, come into a place of peace, come into a place of joy. You know, even yesterday, it was so hard seeing Mr. Wendell Sanders, you know, literally four hours after Miss Sue had went to heaven. And, you know, my thing was that what do you say in a time like that? What do you believe God for? She's with the Lord. It's done. And the thing that I was looking for and the thing I wanted so much that came out of his mouth was, you know, not why or this or that or the other, which are all questions he's, you know, welcome to, to state. And after 63, married, 63 years of marriage, I understand. But he said something that really, that I had prayed about personally was, he said, Pastor Brian, I've got the peace of God about this situation. I've got peace. I've got peace in my soul. I don't understand everything. I'm disappointed in what happened. I'm disappointed in the way it happened, but I know that I have peace about what has happened. And ladies and gentlemen, and then he said this, and I thought was really, you know, again, goes to us all. He said, you know what? I don't know how people in the world go through situations like this without the Lord. And I don't know about you. I totally agree. How do you do things without the Lord? And how do you have everything focused towards you and have no desire to serve others? And, and how that really helps, doesn't help your life. Even the wealthiest people I know enjoy giving, enjoy helping. But I'm telling you what, a lot of people come to a place where it's my family, my life, and I'm not going to help anybody. Listen, that's the greatest thing. Sometimes when you don't feel like helping others is the time when you really need to be helping others. Giving somebody something. I went in my way the other day. This couple, has they're celebrating four. 40 years of marriage and and you know he just had been through a lot and just not in a in a place spiritually that I'd like to see him at but yet at the same time I want to see him at as far as specifically attending a local church this couple but I sought them out and I gave them money for their anniversary and really wanted to tell them how much I appreciate the fact that they've been married 40, 40 years is a long time to be married, is it not? I mean, most people give up in four years around now. And life is, is challenging and marriage is more challenging, even though it's the greatest institution there is. But you got two people coming together and you're trying to work together. It is not easy, is it not? As a matter of fact, one guy told me one time, he said, listen, marriage is not only challenging to me, but it's the only thing that would drive me to death row. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I don't know about that. 
But, uh, you know, again, I, I understand that. But if you're trying to do it in your flesh, yes, absolutely, if you're trying to do it in your flesh. However, if you've got the Lord, then you, you, you serve that other person. I go out of my way, even though Sheila is sometimes hard to do for. I mean, li listen, I've been married to her 20, almost 27 years now. You can forget buying clothes for her. That's not going to happen. There's just certain things I'm not going to do. Some of you men, you're great. You can go out and buy your wife's stuff and, and all that. Forget it. I'm not doing that for her. That's just not her, that's not her thing. But, but I can do things, different things for her in different ways because I want to give. And there becomes a place in marriage where if you're, at, if you're getting soul fatigue and there's no rest for your soul, then you begin to not want to do others, do things for your spouse. I'm telling you, well, that's a dangerous thing. You've got to blend together, work together, and give together. And the desire to serve one another breaks this selfishness. Number, number five, this entitlement mentality. This is a definite sign of, of needing rest for your soul because spiritual depletion can cause the spiritually exhausted to seek nothing else but their own satisfaction. I mean, you're to a place where you feel entitled. Well, you know, I've done this and I've done that. I deserve this. I understand you deserve this, but you know what? That is not going to help you. Eating that, drinking that, doing that is not, you know, you may feel entitled to do that, but really entitlement thinking is pure selfishness. And by the way, I know this is not the easiest message to talk about today. You say, Pastor Brian, you're supposed to be inspiring me. I am inspiring you because if you see the signs and symptoms of soul fatigue, then you begin to recognize in your own life, you recognize it in others, and you can help others because it's a dangerous place. People, when they're weak inside, will manifest things on the outside. I guarantee it every single time. I had a friend of mine that worked for a major minister many years ago. I think you've heard the name Jimmy Swaggart. Anyway, he was one of his television producers, and, and I sort of wanted to know, you know, the direction of where Brother Swaggart was going in before the big fall in the late 1980s. And he said one of the things is that he exhausted himself physically and he exhausted himself spiritually and he got weak on the inside and when he got weaker on the inside temptation was easier to yield to and before he knew it serving God was replacing knowing God and that's a dangerous place in ministry and when you do that Satan subtly sets you up for a fall whether you're Jimmy Swaggart or whatever because you feel entitled you feel well I'm, I'm doing this and I understand at one point, this is in the late 80s, his ministry was giving $1 million a month to missions through the Assemblies of God. I mean, the, the people were coming to the Lord. Things were happening spiritually. I went to a, a Jimmy Swagger crusade one time. I'll never forget. I sat up on the front and... Um, on the platform, I was invited because I was a part of this uh, radio network at the time. And man, I've never seen anybody could preach the word of God like he could. But at the same time, we knew that there was something internally going on. The anointing of God would come upon this man. But you could see privately afterwards, there was such this inner battle. And just think if he would have had soul health, Shelby. And Dave, what if he would have taken the time to do what I'm talking about today over the next couple of weeks? We would not have a fallen minister at that time. 
time. We would have had, because listen, I mean, he fell and he fell hard and it affected millions of people. You said, Pastor Brian, well, I'm not going to affect millions of people. Yes, you are. If you don't have good, healthy soul regiment, you will affect the hundreds and hundreds of people around your life and your spirit and your influence. And I'm just saying, hey, don't, don't let that happen. Let's journey together. And finally, number six, the, here's another symptom. There's entitlement mentality. Then there's a feeling of uncertainty. What's that mean? This feeling of uncertainty is basically hopelessness is just the, is not just the absence of hope, but it's the absence of rest in your soul. Uh, I mean, I cannot better say it than that. When you're hopeless, you are absolutely, you're absent of rest because you're trusting in your own self. As a matter of fact, it's hard to see hope when you're tired physically, when you're tired spiritually. Was, Pastor Brian, what, do you, what does a person do with all these attributes that are not attributes or these things that are happening to me, these characteristics? Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, notice what it says in verse 28 through 30. Now, this is the message version, okay? I'm going to the message Bible, and I like this. Listen to this, as, if they can get this on the screen. Uh, this is the message version, Matthew 11, 28, verse 30. Jesus said, are you tired, worn out, burn out on religion? I like that. But then notice what he says. He says, what? Come to me. Let's say those three words. Come to me. Let's say it together. Come to me. One more time. One more time. Notice what it's saying there. It says, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Notice that entire phrase there. It says, come to him, get away with him, and you will recover your life. There's your separation. There's your soul rest. You say, Pastor Brian, I'm busy. I've got this going on. I've got that going on. Listen, you've got to do what Jesus did. You've got to separate yourself. So maybe it is a convention. Maybe it is a, a time of the day. Maybe it is a place. You know, sometimes we have to go to places or find places or find that secret place where we can go and refresh our souls because it's dangerous if you don't do that because notice what Jesus said. If you're not doing this, you're going to be tired, you're going to be worn out, and then you're going to be religious. Some of those meanest burnout people spiritually are religious people. They're religious in the fact that they're doing religious things. Listen, coming to church is a great thing. Helping the body of Christ and serving in a local church is an awesome thing. Giving to the kingdom of God is an awesome thing. I encourage you to do that. But when you say, well, that's just my relationship with God, that's not your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is those things. Those are part of it. But your relationship with God is learning to hear his voice, learning to have that peace. That was the beauty of yesterday. We have been praying and praying and praying for Wendell and Sue Sanders. We were praying for healing. We were praying for the manifestation of health. But at the same time, we were also praying for the wholeness and completeness. And for a man at the brink of having his wife separated from him after 63 years later to have the manifestation, everybody say manifestation, the manifestation of peace, just like it was on Mr. Atwood. I mean, it was a hard time on him and the family. I didn't want to see her as well as Miss. Sue or anyone leave us. Really, I'm a hundred year old guy. I want you to live to a hundred. That's Pastor Brian. That's my mentality. But thank God for peace. Everybody say peace. 
thank God for the Lord's comfort, even though we don't understand it, even though we don't comprehend it, even though it's confusing, it's extremely disappointing, and at the same time, especially someone that's below 80 years old, I mean, in their 60s or 70s or even 50s or younger than that, I'm telling you what, you've got to come to a place where you come to him, get away with him, and he will recover your life. And by the way, this is not about joining a monastery, (laughs) okay? It's not about separating yourself and say, well, I'm just going to go to a monastery. I'm going to go to the seminary and I'm going to just immerse myself. That's great to do. You know what? It just comes to a place where giving some time each day, quality time to set set yourself aside and come and recover your life every single day. Because when you wake up, there'll always be new problems, okay? person I'll never forget told Brother Jerry Savelle, pray for me that I'll never have any problems before. I was right there in the prayer line when this happened. I was standing right there. I'm sorry, it was Jesse Duplantis and Jerry Savelle. We were in, um, in California there where they held the Emmys, that particular auditorium there. I'll never forget, I'm standing right there and um, this person, I mean, it was just, just, their reaction was, he just laid his hand on this woman. She was sincere, just said, you know, pray for me. I have any prayer. He said, Father, I'm asking you to kill this woman in the name of Jesus. I was like, wow, what a prayer. <laughs> and he pulled his hand back and he said, ma'am, he said, that's the only way that you go to heaven that you will not have any more problems. But I'm telling you, as you trust the Lord, and he went into this really encouraging situation of saying, if you'll look to him, yes, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems every single day, but it's how you, you know, approach those problems, how you respond and react to those problems. And, uh, it was, it changed my life and it changed that lady's life because she thought there was a quick answer. She thought there was just a magic pill or magic this or magic that. Notice what Jesus say, get away with me. You'll recover. I look at this next phrase. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Isn't that awesome? How many of you ever been on vacation and you needed a vacation from your vacation? Everybody raise their hand, okay? I mean, some of you have been on vacation. Some of you are still on vacation. I mean, as a pastor, this has been the worst attendance I've ever seen of a summer in all the years. I've got people that have been on vacation for weeks and weeks and weeks. I'm thinking, where have you got all that money? Jonathan even said last night, he said, some of our people are drug dealers. I said, whatever. I said, no, they're not drug dealers. Because where are they getting all this money from? And I said, no, they're not. I said, <laughs> it was just funny what he said, even though, I mean, people have, I mean, and listen, I'm on Facebook, Facebook looking at all your pictures, but man, you have been traveling. You have been going and you have been partying and partying and partying. And I know you're partying up till Saturday night around midnight and boy, Sunday morning, you can forget about it. You are... I know what you're doing, okay? And come football season, though, you're going to be ready to watch football, okay? Anyway, preaching and moving right along. (laughs) I know there is a real rest in the Lord, and a vacation sometimes is not, even though vacations are fun. I enjoyed our time in Florida just for briefly till I saw my parents. And by the way, I loved going to see my parents, but man, that was not a vacation. That was work. No one, no one in this church family, you, Mr. Atwood, all you senior adults had never told me that I was going be parenting my parents, okay? Shame, shame, shame on you for not telling me this revelation. The last night we were there, I'm doing all this work for my parents. And you know, I'm wanting to take a real rest physically as well as a real rest spiritually, which I, we, we, I do. But I'm there the last night working on all this stuff. We are making all this happen for my mom and dad, getting health care in, uh, ordering stuff for the kitchen. I mean, just the house, making sure everything's in order. And I'm thinking, okay, today is Thursday night. 
tomorrow's Friday, we're going back to Fort Worth. We're going to stop by Bucky's here in Leeds and we're going to Bucky down and we're going to be on to Fort Worth. I mean, Bucky's is an experience of the soul, is it not? <laughs> so anyway, Bucky's making some money, is he not? That little gold tooth is blinging, blinging, blinging. Anyway, <laughs> it's, ten, it's, ten, it's a quarter till nine, a quarter till 10. I'm going to downstairs to pack thinking, okay, we're getting ready to leave. They're going back to the hotel. They're going to come pick me up and we're leaving. All of a sudden, a quarter to 10, I hear this, no, 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 no. Sounded like two kids. It's my parents up there fighting over spoons. I'm thinking, I haven't heard no's like that since my children were little bitty kids. I'm thinking, what is this? No, no, it's mine, it's mine. I'm thinking, I go up there, mother and daddy, what are y'all fighting about? They're fighting over spoons. I'm thinking, I've got three-year-olds sitting here and my children are all looking like, what in the world is Granny and Paul doing? And I'm thinking, my goodness, no one has told me that my parents were going to be like this at 81 and 82. And you said, what's that got to do with your message? I'm telling you what, it can tax your soul. <laughs> so, and my point with all that is you're thinking, you know, you're seeing your parents, you're wanting to help them and you're wanting to love them. But you know what? These things are battles. These things are pressures. And I'll never forget coming back after all that and really praying this past week over my family. I said, Lord Jesus, you're going to have to show me how to walk with you and how to work with you and watch how you help me. And you know, I love my parents. We're, we're supposed to take care of them we will take care of them. That's just what you do. But there became a place where I began to cast that care over upon the Lord and said, Lord, you got to help me. I'm not going to be trying to control every decision my parents make, especially on this house remodel. And sure enough, my mother all of a sudden takes this initiative and she starts following through with getting the things done and getting the right contractors there instead of me handling every single detail. My point with all that is I came to a place where, Lord, this is, I love my mom and dad. I'll do anything for them. I'll help them in any way, but you have got to help me. You've got to help me to help them the right way and not carry the weight of this. And notice what Jesus says, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. What does that mean? Well, that means this. As a drummer, there are times when you just begin to flow in the pocket. I practice all varieties of things. I practice reading music. I practice playing reading and music. I practice with a metronome or a click track. I practice with other drummers that are playing parts and I'm watching them all the ways. And then I have... I practice with 30 minutes to an hour a day. And um, one of the things is that I, I, I call it free time where I actually just play and it's something I'm learning from, from other drummers that I've studied such as Jeff Beccaro and, and others of the past that learning how to, to just let my hands not play technique but to play, just to play freely to allow it to flow through patterns and develop patterns. And <laughs> yesterday a song I've been working on or a partic yeah, particular, it's called a halftime shuffle. I've been working on this for like 40 years now and finally I'm playing it with one of the songs that I play. And I just allow the unforced rhythms of that, my hands to do the right thing. And I was playing it almost as good as, as I've ever played it before. My point is that you come to a place where you let the grace of God, the wisdom of God help you to flow through that situation. 
there comes a place, and we're going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks, where you have to truly, as I experienced this week, give it over to him and not touch it. Not say, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to follow through on that. And I'm going to get it done. No, God, you're going to get it done. Because when God moves and helps in a situation and you learn this unforced rhythms where you're not forcing this to happen and you allow it to happen in the Lord, especially in the Lord, then something beautiful happens. There's a dynamic here. And here I'm closing with this. Notice what it says here in the rest of this verse in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And notice the end of this verse, he says, you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And ladies and gentlemen, even in the complexity of taking care of my dad and his physical health, taking care of my mom and her physical and emotional health, I tell you what, I've learned to say, Lord, this is yours. This is your situation. Yes, I'm going to do my part. Yes, we're going to do our part, but I'm not going to worry about it. It's the same with my children. Growing up, I refused to get in a place where I worried about Allison, Benjamin, and Samuel. I just trusted the Lord, and uh, now I can look back as a parent, and Sheila and I didn't control and manipulate the situation. We learned to keep company with the Lord. We learned to live free in Him. Was there responsibility? Was there pressure? Yes, there was. But again, how did you respond in reality? Now, again, Sheila and I are two different people in approaching things. And so she would balance me out and I would balance her out. But we learned not to force things to happen. And when mistakes were made, we would pause, step back, and give it back over to the Lord and take our hands off of it. And we're going to talk more on how to do that. Because listen, this is important. You will not have peace and soul rest if you keep your hand on everything and try to control everything. That's worth you coming today. If you keep putting your hand on it, either you're going to trust God and trust his power and his provision or trust yourself. And listen, you can do a certain amount in your own strength and your own ability. But just like with me, I mean, listen, it just broke me that night when I heard my parents. I've never heard them talk like three-year-olds. Okay, never. I mean, I've heard them cuss. I mean, I learned cuss words from them when I was growing up, especially my dad. And I learned all kinds of things from them. But I've never heard them talk like that and fuss over nothing. It was nothing. It was nothing. I would have gone and bought them a whole brand new set of spoons and forks and knives. Okay, it's nothing. But I'm telling you something, when you come to a place where you're not going to allow that, I made a decision that I'm not going to allow that. After this happened, I went back upstairs and I had this downstairs apartment where I used to practice my drums and it was, it's like my apartment downstairs when I'm there. Anyway, um, I went upstairs and I hugged them and I said, listen, we're not going to, we're not going to let spoons or whatever, you know, go beyond this. And this, this is, this is not going to happen. I'm not going to let these little things in life destroy the peace of God. And I'm telling you what, you've got to watch that because you get aggravated and agitated. Let me close with this and we'll pick it up later. This is Psalm 23. Let me just read it to you. You heard this verse of six verses over and over, but as, as I close with this, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean? He's my shepherd. He's the one that guides me. I shall not want, I shall not lack. He allows me to lie down in green pastures. As, a, as I was on our farm the other day and they were bush hogging, oh, I'll tell you what, Mr. Atwood, it's so beautiful to watch them bush hog correctly. And it's all pretty when the grass is done. He said, he leads me beside still waters. We were down there and we were looking at these streams that are flowing on the back of our property. And I love to see that water flowing like that. But notice verse three, he says, he restores my soul. God restores the soul if you'll allow him. He'll give you rest. Notice what he says here. 
He leads me in the way to go in his righteousness in the name of Jesus. I'm invoking that in this psalm. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil for you're with me. It says your word and your staff, or it says your rod and your staff. You can say your word and the Holy Spirit, they comfort me. Verse number five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Is that in heaven? No, that's here. We have a table set before us that any enemy of our soul, he will let us face and win over, in my opinion. And in verse number six, he says that he anoints us with this ability that this abundance of goodness and mercy has fallen us all the days of our life and we are dwelling in the house of the Lord or the presence of the Lord forever. That's true soul rest. I just want to pray with you today. Let's do what Jesus said. Let's come to him. Let's get away with him and let him speak to our life. How about that? Let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I seek a soul rest from you. I allow you to work on the inside of my life, my spirit person, my soul. I yield it to you. I choose resting in you and receiving from you. Speak to my heart. Speak to my mind. Lead me. Guide me and direct me. Show me what to do. Show me what not to do. And I submit all to this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord Jesus, we do come to you. We give you these things. Whatever right now this seems to be troubling you, those that are watching, those that are here, whatever situation, it says right here, it says he restores our soul. He restores our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he is able to do just that. And I just want you to just allow that soul refreshing to come upon you right now. Let the presence of God move upon you. Take some time just to be still before Him. Whatever time of day that may be, give Him. Maybe you can't attend a series of meetings, but you can attend a secret place. I guarantee you if you'll give Him the next six days or seven days a place to refresh your soul, He'll be faithful to do just that. In Jesus' name. There's a lot of other verses of Scripture we're going to cover over this series and talk about some things that I believe will not only help you, but show you a pathway of true soul health. I think it's important. And again, I know that it seems like, um, how do I say this? They say it a lot, that the devil's throwing out the kitchen sink and all these pressures. Well, I, I've been lately going back and studying our history, looking at different uh, times of, of American history. Last night, I looked at the year 1963. I was just seeing where we were, you know. What, where was all the, you know, where were people's attention at certain years, 1963, 1968, whatever. You know, I mean, I realize now we're dealing with COVID or we're dealing with this or we're dealing with that or dealing with whatever. And I was looking at different presidents and different leaders. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, um, and people are saying that, you know, this is the mark of the beast and the Antichrist could come anytime. Well, I got to also, not just last night, but prior to this, I got to looking and studying some history. And, you know, they said that back there in 1941. You know, concerning Adolf Hitler. They said that about, especially in 1942, right there when he was really peaking. And man, he was, I mean, Germany was peaking and all of a sudden he makes the decision to attack Russia and then it, you know, it goes backwards and three years later he's killing himself. My point with all that is Satan's doing all that. 
then, he's doing it now. And we got to watch for that. But let me tell you something. Regardless of where we are as far as a generation, there's a place and a peace and a rest. And I'm praying that over you specifically. I mean, I could go across this auditorium and, and those watching, I'm sending you notes, I'm texting you because I'm concerned that I want to see your soul rest. And it's not that, oh, I'm afraid for you. It's just that that's what I desire for you, rest in your soul because I can see all the things coming to you. And you know, I know life is challenging. Jesus said it would be in Matthew 6, but we're going to look at next week how he promised some things in Matthew 6 and other verses of scripture to give us rest for our souls in the midst of problems and pressure. And I want you to have that peace that passes all understanding. Because you know what? Let's don't sing it once a year that he's the Prince of Peace at Christmas. He's Prince of Peace all the time. And he wants to be peace in your life. You say, Pastor Brian, I'm going through a really challenging situation. I understand. Life can be challenging. Things can be challenging. This beautiful thing called technology can be a blessing to bring us spiritual information, but it also can bring us fear information, can it not? It can really feed us in fear and worry and, and confusion. And what about this and what about that? Hey, listen, I'm still trusting the Prince of Peace. 